friends, and welcome back to the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Kaylee Olson, and I am here with my friend and co-host, Meredith Brock. Well, hi, Kaylee. It's great to be back with you today. Before we get started, I'm done. I have a question that I need to ask my Southern friend, and that is you. Uh, Someone, I need you to tell me why Southerners eat such weird breakfast foods. Like, why can't you guys just eat like muffins and fruit? I don't get it. There's all these, these things that Southern people do. Like this morning, my husband who grew up in the South and I grew up in the Northwest, like, man, we should make some grits. Grits don't, does not make any sense to me. And then there's like all these other layers of Southern food where it's like, you've got, you guys have biscuits and you do weird things with bacon. Please explain to me why breakfast is such a big deal in the South. Well, I do believe in three square meals a day, Meredith, but (laughs) I will say that I don't eat a good um, hearty Southern breakfast every day because I care about my arteries. (laughs) Normally I eat a smoothie because I I eat that and I do a smoothie, but on the weekends, Saturday mornings are a big deal for um, me and my husband. And so every day before he goes into work on Saturday, we have a big breakfast. And I mean, he's not from the South either. So we'll do something like pancakes and bacon, but every now and then, you know, I'll bring out the deer sausage and the deer sausage. Stop the train. I feel like your grandma, what do you call your grandma? Um, I call one of them Memo and the other one Amama. Okay. All right. Now we're back. I feel like we're right back in Mississippi. Here we are. I'm expecting it any minute to uh, get a phone call from your mom or dad and be like, look, I would love that. I would love that. But you know what I would also love? I want to know listeners what you call your grandparents because yes. I am oh mama because my oldest cousin who always sets the precedence for grandparents names, right? The name was supposed to be grandmama, but he couldn't say his G's. And so am mama came out and I call my granddad D daddy. Um, but I want to know what you call your grandparents. So um, me too. I'm dying. Yeah. You want to know what I call my grandparents? What do you call them? Grandma and grandpa. <laughs> There's really nothing unusual about that, but I find great pleasure in hearing the creative things that people call their grandparents. It's great. It's just great. I love it. Well, enough of these shenanigans, Kaylee. What are we doing here today? Well, I'm excited today because, you know, whenever we were looking at the topics and figuring out our podcast content schedule over the next couple of months, something came to me. And honestly, I'm sure why I've never done this before on the podcast, but I want to have my sweet friend, Wendy Blight, on the podcast to talk about prayer because Wendy's been a mentor to me and someone I look up to who studies God's word with such reverence. And it's just one of the people who makes me feel a little bit more peaceful when she walks into the room. Meredith, I don't know if she has that same effect on you, but she's on me. Yeah, she is uh, such, she has such a presence and such Mm -hmm. wisdom about her. Um, She's actually written four different books and she's Mm -hmm. been a part of Proverbs 31 for about 18 years, you guys. That's amazing. I bet you lots of our listeners didn't even know we've existed that long, but Proverbs has been around for over 25 years, which is amazing. Um, Wendy has played a role from being a volunteer writer on our devotions and our first five team. Um, but now she's p- playing a really pivotal role with our online Bible studies team as the theological content coordinator. And we're so, so grateful to have her on that team and here with us today. So welcome to the show, Wendy. Hey, thank y'all so much. I'm just so excited to be here today. 
Oh, we're so glad that you're here. And like I said, I asked Wendy to come on the show today to specifically talk about prayer, but even more specifically, praying through the armor of God. I've seen her write devotions about this. And so I've just been curious, like, what is the background from of this? How did you study about it? And so I'm excited because I know I've read about it in the Bible. Like you read about the armor of God, but in my mind, I think of just like the armor and protecting myself and like the breastplate of righteousness and things like that. But I haven't studied about how it correlates with prayer. And so I'm excited for our listeners to hear you teach on this today, Wendy. So go ahead and take it away, my friend. Great. Thank you, Kaylee. Well, you know, it would be very easy to just jump right into talking about the armor of God and how we have this A beautiful gift from God to pray when we encounter spiritual warfare. But the reality is, before we can understand the armor, um, we have to know why we need it. And we need it because of something called spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. Then, if we want to talk about that, then we have to know what spiritual warfare is and what it isn't. And so, Kaylee and I, you and I talked about this. The very first thing I want to Mm -hmm. say is not every bad thing happens because of spiritual warfare. Um, And the reason I really want to just put this out there is because we don't want to give that much credit to Satan. You know, 1 John 4, 4 makes it very clear. It says, greater is the one who lives in us than the one who lives in the world. And that one, that capital O one who lives in us is the spirit of the living God. And the little O one that lives in the world, that's Satan. And so God gave these words to John to ensure that God's children, that's you and me, will never forget that God is greater than anything we're going to face on this earth. Mm -hmm. Physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, including the schemes of the devil. And a few years ago, while I was actually teaching at our She Speaks conference here in Charlotte, I received a call from my daughter, Lauren, who was in New York City for a summer internship. And through tears, she explained that she was experiencing some kind of really horrific allergic reaction. And she was leaving the emergency room for the second time. They had stabilized her twice and finally were sending her back to the dorm with a few EpiPens. Well, my husband heard this and immediately arranged for her to get on a plane and fly home. And no one could have ever prepared me for what I saw as she walked towards me at the airport. Honestly, I could barely take in what I was looking at. Lauren's body was swollen and covered in welts from head to toe. And we sent a picture to a friend of ours who's an emergency room doctor. And he said, I want you to head right here to the emergency room right now. He met us at the door, put her in a bed in the emergency room and initiated treatment. Hours and hours later, despite everything he did, her condition kept getting worse. And finally, he said, "Um, Wendy, I'm going to have to hospitalize her and deeply sedate her. And my husband and my son were out of town at a basketball tournament. So I was by myself just watching these drugs drip into her veins without any relief. And I remember laying next to her in that bed, curled up to my 20-year-old, always my baby girl, tears flowing. My heart was pounding, and I was so afraid of what was going to happen. And uh, what's so crazy, y'all, is that that day in the early morning, I had taught on spiritual warfare at She Speaks. But in that moment, the truths I taught, the prayers I prayed, They just escaped me because fear and terror just took my heart hostage. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've been there, but I I couldn't even pray. I didn't know what to pray because all that kept rushing into my mind was what if, what if they can't control this? What if it attacks her throat again and she can't breathe? What if I lose her? But then it went further and it, it, 
the question that came is, was this because I'm teaching on spiritual warfare? Mm -hmm. If I had agreed to this assignment from you, God, would this not be happening to me? So then I was angry at God. And um, I said, if this is what happens when you step out in faith for anything, it's not worth it. You know, those just those lies that come over you. Um, but the, the good thing is, I called one of my dearest Proverbs 31 sisters, and she prayed with me. And what she prayed with me was God's word. And she just redirected my mind from the fears and anxieties. And she reminded me about what I knew to be true about God and about Lauren and about myself. And I think she must have texted other people because over the next hour, my phone was just flooded with prayers and scriptures. And um, that's kind of where I want to stop my story. Because before we jump into sort of all those things that I was doing right then, I want to talk about um, this armor of God that we started with earlier. And we need this armor because we have an enemy. And it's an enemy who doesn't want us to live in hope and healing and freedom that we can have be as a child of God and in God's word. And that spiritual warfare that we need this armor for began back in Genesis with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Satan engaged Eve in a, conver- in a conversation, which she allowed, causing her to question the instructions God had given to Adam and Eve, questioning that led them both to disobey God's command not to eat of this tree in the garden or they would die. They both ate, they both suffered consequences, and through their disobedient act, sin entered the world. And then it's been downloaded into every generation of humanity since. So that includes us, right? Um, Then that sin ushered in a spiritual battle between Satan, God's creation, and his created ones. And that's us, God's children. And we still contend with that today. But let me say, even though we're learning about spiritual warfare, today is about so much more. It's about equipping and empowering us to walk victoriously through those battles because victory is already ours in Jesus. And so we're going to walk through a five-step process using the acronym ARMOR to learn how to actively order our thoughts so we can walk in step with God's battle plan and not fight on our own. And so we're going through the words, ARMOR, align your heart with truth, R, recognize the enemy and know God's battle plan. M, model Jesus' example. O, order your thoughts and stand. R, rejoice and walk victoriously. So are you ready? Let's just jump right in. The armor of God. First, we A, align our heart with truth. There are three steps. Knowing the enemy, respecting the battle, and knowing our role. So first, we have to know the enemy. Okay, we've identified him already. He's real and he's powerful, and his name is Satan. Originally, his name was Lucifer. He actually was one of God's most brilliant creations, an angel. But his heart filled with pride, and instead of loving and worshiping God, he plotted against God because he wanted God's power and all that God had. So when he initiated this, what you probably could just call a coup in heaven, God threw him out along with a third of the angels. So now we've got the enemy, we know him, now we've got to respect the battle. And Jesus plainly sets out two important scriptures to help us with this battle. John 10.10 says, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So what Jesus is saying, he's a thief. Second, John 8.44, Jesus says, Satan has always hated the truth 
because there's no truth in him. He's a liar and the father of lies. So he's a thief and a liar. Let me just tell you some of his most effective tools to be on the lookout for when we feel him are shame, guilt, discouragement, despair, bitterness, and unforgiveness. Those are the emotions. And we're going to talk about those in a little bit, but just remember those words. So now we know our enemy, we respect the battle, but the best part of this This part right here in aligning our heart is aligning our heart with our role in this battle, who we are. Because of Jesus, those of us who call ourselves children of God know the end of the battle before we even jump in. First John chapter five, verse one says who we are. He writes, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Simply said, this verse gives us the assurance that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we believe he's the Son of God, we become a blood-bought daughter of the one true God. And then a few verses later in 1 John 5, 8, a question is asked, who is it that overcomes the world? And the answer in Scripture says, only he or she who believes Jesus is the Son of God. So let's link these together. When we link them together, what we learn is, Everyone who believes in Jesus as their Lord and Savior is born of God and is a child of God. And because of that, we are overcomers. Because Jesus overcame and we live in him, we are overcomers. Our role as beloved blood-bought daughters of the one true God is to stand in that positionally that we are an overcomer. And then as if that position is not enough, God then gives us tools and equipment to fight the battle. So that's where we're going to go next. We're going to move from A, aligning our heart, to R, which is to recognize the enemy and learn God's battle plan. This, again, has three steps, okay? Knowing the enemy's tactics, learning God's battle plan, and putting on and taking up the armor. So the first thing is know his tactics. And I mentioned it earlier, he's a master at using our emotions because Emotions aren't bad in and of themselves. The danger comes when we allow those feelings and thoughts to linger, like I did that day in the hospital. And when they linger, it's like they seep into the marrow of our bones and they take us hostage. They steal our courage, our strength, our peace, our hope. And Satan knew my weakness in the hospital room that day. And actually, it's one of my vulnerable places. Fear, we all have a place. Mine has been fear my whole life. And he attacked me there before and he was doing that again. And then you add my little girl's life on top of that. Um, those what-ifs came rushing in. So we know his tactics, and now we have to second learn the battle plan. And the one word I can think of to just give it one word is truth. That's God's battle plan, truth to combat his lies. And what I did in that hospital room is I allowed my feelings, my emotions to trump the truth I knew. And anxiety and fear took over. And with Without anybody to fight with us, we're no match for Satan. And so my friend's text pointed me back to the truth I knew, especially Ephesians 6.12. Um, Ephesians 6.12 reminded me 
who my battle was really against. And it wasn't her infection and it wasn't any doctors and it wasn't God. It says in Ephesians six twelve, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now that sounds overwhelming and scary, but if you go back to the beginning, remember when I said that God threw Satan and a third of the angels out? That's who this is talking about. And that's an invisible battle. We see it in so many places. I wish we had time to talk about this invisible spiritual conflict between good and evil. And in the hospital room that day, thank goodness for community, for friends, um, because they started to put truth in front of me, reminding me of who I am, that I'm a child of God, that I am God's beloved, and that Everyone who believes in that, every one of us, when we believe in Jesus, um, we're his daughters, that we are, and that he is in complete control. And so I began to just feed my mind the truth, and eventually it overcame the lies. And this is because when we know and stand on the truth, truth will trump our feelings every single time. When we know it and we stand on it and pray it. And praying God's word was a game changer for me. So we're going to move now to part three. We've, we know the enemy's tactics. We've learned his battle plan. And now we're going to put on and take up the armor that we talked about in the beginning. Over the years, God has armed his people for battle. He armed David with five smooth stones and a slingshot, right, to fight this nine-foot giant. He mm-hmm. armed Gideon, Gideon's soldiers, 300 soldiers with trumpets, empty pitchers, and torches to fight an army as numerous as locusts. And God does the same thing for us, except ours is like a suit of armor called the armor of God. And so we're going to jump into that now. And we find it, if you have your Bible in Ephesians 6, 14 through 17, there are seven pieces of armor. So let's start with the first five, because they're what we call defensive pieces of armor. These are things that we Um, stand firm in because we already have them or we put them on. And each piece of armor reflects visually a Roman soldier's armor. So it's something his audience would have been familiar with at the time. And so it just brings this visually alive. So let's start with the belt of truth. Like a soldier's belt, a soldier's belt, Roman soldier's belt, held this equipment that they needed to protect them in battle. And it was the very first thing they put on. So when we talk about the belt of truth, it's the very first thing that we should put on every day to encircle and protect us so that we're not vulnerable. And that truth is who we are in Christ. That's the truth that we should put on every day and walk into our day with. Breastplate of righteousness is the second one. This represents our positional, what you call right standing before God that we have because of Jesus. Jesus died for us and we get the standing that Jesus has before God. Like the breastplate for the Roman soldier, it protected his vital organs, especially his heart. Well, this breastplate of righteousness guards our hearts from the blows of the enemy. Then we look at the shoes of the gospel of peace. Just like a Roman soldier had sandals that provided him a firm foundation as he walked, the good news of the gospel of peace, the good news about Jesus, that's our firm foundation upon which we can stand, but also that we have to share with other people. Then there's the shield of faith. 
just as the Roman soldier had this big shield that he held in front of him to fend off the arrows and spears and swords of the enemy, God gives us a shield, but it's our faith. And the stronger our faith, the more easier it will be to fend off our enemies. But it's called a shield. We have to take it up, right? We have to pick it up, it says. And then the fifth one is the helmet of salvation. And this is my favorite, really, because you think of that soldier and how the helmet protected his head. Well, the helmet of salvation, our salvation protects our minds and our minds are where our thought and knowledge live. And so we have our salvation to ensure that We know we're a saved child of God, we're covered by the blood of Jesus, and we have the mind of Christ. And when we have the mind of Christ, we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's in 2 Corinthians 10, 17. So those are the five defensive pieces. Now we move on to the sword of the Spirit. This is my favorite, really. I know I want to say everyone is my favorite, but the Word of God, this is our offensive weapon. Just as a soldier speared allowed him to sort of lead a charge against the enemy, our sword is our best weapon. And doesn't it make sense it would be because Satan has one primary weapon, lies, so we need one offensive weapon to go against him, and that is truth, the truth of God's word. And now we get to move to M because this is, we watch Jesus use this to defeat Satan in the wilderness. And so we've aligned our hearts, we've recognized the enemy, and now we model Jesus' example. Just after God validated Jesus' identity with these very words, this is my son, Satan slithered up to Jesus in the wilderness and issued three temptations, attacking his deity and his position as the son of God. But with each temptation, Jesus did not engage conversation with Satan. Remember how Eve did? Jesus did not. With every temptation Satan spewed forth, Jesus answered back, it is written, clearly and concisely quoting God's word. And Kaylee and Meredith, this to me is one of the most equipping and empowering examples that Jesus has ever set for us because we have the very same weapon available to us to fight lies, temptations, anxieties, addictions. The very same Hebrews 4.12 living and active word What we have to do is just pick it up and wield it. That means speak it and declare it and pray it. So how do we do that? That's what takes us to the fourth letter. This takes us to O. We've aligned our heart. We've recognized the enemy. We've modeled Jesus' example. Now we order our thoughts and stand firm. So this is three parts. Again, these are really fast steps. We have to recognize the lies tear down the lies, and replace the lies. So let's be more practical. When we think about our thoughts, sometimes they become so deeply embedded in the soil of our hearts, like my fear has done. They become one with us. They truly hold us hostage to the point we fixate, feed, and nurture them. We almost grow comfortable with them. And so we have to ask God, we have to pray and say, open our eyes, Lord, and help us to see what are we focusing and fixating on? And those are the things that are going to be um, the lies that we need to take captive at 2 Corinthians 10.5. So how do we tear them down? That's part two. We've recognized them. And this is the easiest thing to say. This is to confess. It might not be 
easy to do it, but if we do it, that means you confess it. And I say do it out loud, write it in a journal, um, because getting it out is so, is so important. And for me that day in the hospital, fear had taken me hostage and it trumped the truth I knew. And the last thing is that we have to then replace it. So if we've confessed it, then we're pushing it out and we're going to replace it with the rhema word of God. So that's an interesting word. Some of you may not know that word. It's R-H-E-M-A. And by this, I mean a personal word. There's a word called the Logos Word of God, L-O-G-O-S. That's a general word from God. It communicates his ability to do something, maybe his general will on something, um, his overall words in the Bible. But sometimes when we're seeking after God and we're praying, we will get a personal rhema word. It's almost like a giant highlight. I mean, a, hi- a highlighter will come and just light up words or you feel like words jump off the page. They are literally answering a prayer for you or giving you direction. And so that's what I needed that day. And this is where the last piece of God's armor comes in from Ephesians 6, and that is prayer. Pray in the spirit, Paul says, at all times and on every occasion. So I prayed in the hospital that day. I picked up my sword and I began to pray his truths and promises up and down that room, over the doctors, over my daughter, over myself. And I I wish I had more time. I'm going to give you two examples so you can see how I prayed. But I took um, Isaiah 41.10 and I just... um, and what I did was I, I prayed it as if God was speaking it to me. And like I was his daughter, which I am. I said, Wendy, do not fear, for I am with you and Lauren. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. You are not alone. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then from Psalm 91, Wendy, I am your shield and your defender. I will shield you and your sweet girl with my wings. I will shelter and protect you both. My faithful promises are your armor. You don't need to be afraid anymore. That was so powerful to me, those names of God and the things that he promises. And so the power of prayer lies in wielding the word of God, praying his word back to him. Because listen to this from Isaiah 55, 11. It says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. This is what happens. God is saying when my word goes out, I do stuff with it. I honor it. I'm at work in it. And this takes us to our last letter which is rejoice and walk victoriously. We've aligned our hearts. We've recognized the enemy. We've modeled Jesus' example. We've ordered our thoughts. We've stood on the word. And so when I go back to my story, and I think about the fact that when we walk in the fullness of the armor, which is like what I started to do when I remembered the truth, we can be assured of walking confidently through any spiritual battle. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.10, we can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, his power, not ours. So in the hospital room that day, I just, my whole heart changed. And I remembered that I know the truth. I believe the truth. I declare the truth. I pray the truth. And so I did that and God moved. Within 24 hours, my daughter's hives began to subside her swelling lesson. She was off this out of sedation, her smile returned. And what I want to tell you is God does not always work in one night. 
In fact, I say I've only had a few times where he's moved quickly. But you know why he moved quicker this time? I think it's because of the many spiritual battles that I had walked through before fighting fear. And they were long fought. One lasted nearly a decade um, because I had been the victim of a crime and I fought fear so much. What these battles did was equip me with the truth I know, believe, claim, pray, and now teach today. I have lived this over and over again. And I can promise you, as we close, the more we put this five-step process into practice, the more we walk in victory before the battle even begins, because we aren't surprised that we're going to have one, during the battle, because we remember God's faithfulness from the battles before, but especially on the other side, because in the battle, we experience God's presence, His promises, His power, and His provision. Hmm. Wow. Wendy, that was so that was so good. And I know that um, in our script today, you have a prayer written down, and I want to be able to link to that in our show notes. And so if you're listening to this, Wendy has written a really pretty prayer that we're going to have that you can download from our website, because I think that um, this could be something special that you hold on to as you implement this five-step process um, in your life. But Wendy, I have a question for you. Um, as we were talking through the tools that Satan uses, you mentioned that um, we can go to different things like um, fear, I know is what you personally, I think, said that you go to a lot. And so I'm just curious, for people who may not be fearful people, what other ways can the, the enemy um, kind of, I guess, go to war against them in their head? Can you explain that a little bit? Yes, I can give you two specific examples from my own life. And one is peace. That is something like anxiety. Do you know his one of one of the things that we especially having just, you know, this whole these last few months with the COVID-19 and um, Mm -hmm. that that has stolen a lot of people's anxieties. The circumstance has. And it's this. The, the five-step process doesn't change. You would go to verses on peace and you would find God's verses on peace and you would um, claim those because the power lies in praying the word back to him. Mm-hmm. But also, um, this is maybe very specific, but the Lord just laid it on my heart to talk about jealousy. Um, I was a very jealous wife early on, um, some some because of what happened to me, um, having been um, sexually assaulted, I think I just had no trust and um, began to just be afraid of losing my husband. But I had to really learn that jealousy stemmed from not trusting God, that once I put God on the throne of my heart, instead of being wanting my husband so badly to be the one to take care of me and make me feel safe. And that if I lost him, I would lose everything. So sometimes it's, it's just trusting God with a loss. Maybe you've lost a job or a child or um, so uh, there's loss and jealousy, really anything that we walk through, any emotion that we feel um, God's word has the answer to whatever it is that we are walking through. It truly, truly does. We, you can you can use a concordance. You can Google the word um, and find scriptures to pray. That's good. You know, I have a, I'm, y'all don't judge me for asking this question, okay? <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to take it all the way back I, and, and make it real simple and ask just like a beginner's question. And that is, we don't use the word, at least I don't use the word warfare 
mm-hmm. at all in my everyday conversations. Like it's not something that, you know, I, it's not, we're not familiar with that. We're in, we, for the most part, America is a country of peace, you know? And so even the concept of this warfare and battle, it feels like it's far away and, mm-hmm you know, distant from my reality until something hits that feels really tragic. You know, Mm -hmm. you started with the example of Lauren, which first, let me pause. Is Lauren okay? That's what I want to know. We never resolved. Yes, it it took about a month, but she eventually was fine. But yeah, they, they never discovered it was not an allergic. They, they think she had some kind of terrible virus that that's that's crazy i'm so grateful that she's okay though so praise the lord for that Um, but for me you know i i'm trying to decipher i've certainly been in circumstances where i've thought to myself and i've even like asked the lord like what is is this warfare is this battle or is this just the the consequences of bad decisions you know, yes. or, and so help me and help our listeners know, how do you know? Like, how do you know if this is warfare and you're supposed to go to battle? Or if it's, you know, like untangle that a little bit for me. Sure. To know what an everyday situation might look mm-hmm. like and how you would process it. So I think the important thing is what I started with, that not every single thing is, you know, like Satan's fault. He's coming after us that, you know, mm-hmm. But what I can tell you is sometimes circumstances will come, hurricanes, disasters, those kind of things come at us. Um, People lose their homes in those things. Those things come at us because we live in a fallen world. The world itself is falling apart. And and then when we have bad things happen to us that we cause ourselves, you know, then those are by our own choices that we make. And that that requires us first coming to the Lord and confessing that and dealing with that. But here's what happens, whether a bad thing happens to us by someone, whether we make it ourselves or whether it's bad things, um, the viruses that the virus that we're struggling with now, disasters on the earth, these or the death of people we love. Um, I'm walking through with a friend who lost a child. What happens is those things are not necessarily the sin or the, um, the, the, the warfare part, but this enemy that we have, he's the one that wants to come into those places that probably have nothing to do with him overall. The fallen world is because of what happened in the garden. But but those places, that's where he slithers in and tries to then turn it into a battle between Satan and God for your heart, for your mind, for your marriage. Does that make sense to you? Oh, Does that help? That's, that's tremendously helpful because I think, for like I said, for the average everyday person who's just living out their life trying to get by, you know, when something, when a tragedy strikes, it's easy for us to say, wow, Satan's really coming after me. When oftentimes those can be the consequences of someone's terrible decision, all that kind of stuff. But I love how you put it, Wendy, that those are often the gateway. Yes. to attack you. And mm-hmm. so in those moments, because you're in a vulnerable position, because you're, you're in need or um, maybe feeling emotions that you're not familiar with, it's a perfect time for him mm-hmm. to just scoot in there 
and feed you lies and and attack you and and engage in battle with you and if you're not prepared yeah. you'll be you'll be the one losing and he'll be the one winning right, right. so i think that's i think that's really super super helpful i mean today's lesson today, Wendy, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. Can I say one thing that God just, I feel like this is really, sometimes this happens to me. I feel like this is for somebody listening, but sometimes I don't want people to think all the emotions are bad. And I feel like there's someone out there right now, maybe there's more than one, but um, that you feel like you're struggling with anxiety. I just feel like somebody's really struggling. And I want you to know that don't let that lock you up. Don't let that paralyze you because sometimes you just sit there and ride the wave of it. And while you're riding the wave through it and going to the other side, don't feel bad. Don't feel like you're not strong enough. Just speak truths, pray through it, get to the other side and just keep riding those waves because I promise you, you will get on the other side of it. You will just continue to call out to the Lord and pray and believe that he's with you and he's walking with you and he won't leave you. That's really, really good. Wendy, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Wendy, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. I know this was a message that I needed clarity on and you helped bring me that clarity. So thank you. And I'm excited to go dig through my notes and apply this to my life. Um, Meredith, why don't you point our listeners to a couple more resources that might be helpful as we end our time together? Absolutely. Well, first I want to point you to this prayer that Wendy has written. I really do think if this is an area that you're... um, wrestling with or are curious about, um, we're going to make that prayer available to you. And that's a great place for you to get some ammunition. Okay. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and, 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 uh, resource ourselves to enter into this very real battle that we are in. Also, maybe this has gotten you curious about really studying the word of God for the first time. We'd encourage every single one of our listeners go download our first five mobile app. It's a great place to start learning how to study the word of God. Many of you hear us mention it and we talk about it a lot, but it really is a tool to help you spend the first five minutes of your day in God's word. And it will really help you know and learn the truth in such um, a new and fresh way that I really enjoy it. So like I said, you can go into the app store, um, search first five, or you can go to firstfive.org on a website and you'll see all the daily teachings there as well. Yes. And we also want to point you to Wendy's book, Hidden Joy in a Dark corner. In this book, Wendy shares her testimony and how her walk with the Lord grew through some really hard experiences. And you can purchase this book on our Proverbs 31 bookstore at p31bookstore.com. And like Meredith said, we'll also link to a couple more resources from Wendy in the show notes on this website. Well, folks, that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Wendy, and thank you guys for listening. We pray today's message helps you know the truth of God's word and live out that truth because we believe when you do, it changes everything. Mm